1: didn't know anything about Jesus. And uh, I got a baseball scholarship to go to a Christian school.
0: That's the coolest And I had,
1: no, I, I had no idea what Christian meant. I didn't know who Jesus was, but they said they were going to give me $50,000 to play baseball and to love Jesus. And I said, well, I'll love Jesus all day long for $50,000. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I was all in. Now, if you look at Chris Brown's life as the former nationally syndicated radio host for Life, Money and Hope, working alongside Dave Ramsey, working as a pastor today, you would be missing out on the rich and rough history that Chris Brown grew up in. Now, what you heard from him was his life, that turning point where he was just living from couch to couch, trying to take care of his brother as best he can in a home that was neglectful abusive and and just powerfully painful we're going to hear his story that transformation and how your pain can become your source of power to live a meaningful life a fulfilled life and make an impact on the world welcome to beyond the rut the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and into a life worth living I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, we're going to be joined by Chris Brown, that person you just heard from, as he shares his story about transformation from living homeless, surfing from couch to couch, and just wondering, is this all there is, only to be picked up by friend after friend, from father figures where he didn't expect to find them, and also to find mentorship from a baseball coach in a Christian college that helped completely turn his life around. So we're going to talk about the power of friendship, the power of just lifting your head up and looking forward, as well as how your misery could actually become your ministry and be your source of power to live a better life, not a bitter life. So sit back and relax, and let's begin. Here we go. All right. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining us right now. How are you doing on this fine Saturday?
1: I'm doing wonderful. I'm very honored to be on. Thank you so much.
0: Awesome. Same here. Uh, glad to have you on. Uh, you know, I may have said it in the intro. Uh, depends on when I record the intro, uh, but if I haven't, I mean, folks, if you're listening to Chris for the first time, uh, you know, he was introduced to me through his publicist, uh, Nicole Ballingy, And, uh, turns out you did some work with a guy named Dave Ramsey, uh, a little uh-huh. radio show called, uh, Life, Money and Hope. Over 10 million downloads. And uh, yeah, so he's done some work in the the arena of, um, you know, finance advising. Uh, you've been a campus pastor at a couple of different churches. And uh, now you've got this book out called uh, Restored. And you share your story. And uh, what I loved about that story, by the way, I just uh, is that, you know, folks looking at you from the outside in are like, oh, look at this guy. He's put together. You know, he talks about finance. Uh, he's probably had his whole life just kind of handed to him. And then you read this book restored. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you do not judge a book by its cover. And it turns out he's gone through some stuff. And yeah, uh, you know, I'd almost say it's an understatement to say that you've gone through some stuff. What would you say about uh, life growing up?
1: Yeah. So just to give everybody a little bit of context, um, you know, we all have pain. Uh, we all have things that we've been through. Um, for my particular genre of pain, uh, it was a childhood filled with. Uh, just lots of instability and tragedy. Um, several father figures going to jail, um, bouncing around from abuse shelter to abuse shelter, going to 17 different schools. Uh, narcotics. Um, lots of police at my house constantly because of altercations. Um, homelessness, sleeping underneath bridges and piers, sleeping in the back seat of a car. Um, just seen a lot of really crazy stuff, and so to be on this podcast today to share my story is definitely an honor
0: that that's the thing that blew my mind it was just uh because i mean we see the uh the marketing content you're like okay very polished he's on the stage he, he's a pastor and then you read the story and then it's just uh, everything you just described truncated down to just a matter of seconds and and i definitely did, at that point i was like okay i'm glad i said yes because this is going to be great. I mean, just how many people do we come across on a daily basis? I mean, you've pastored at some churches. You've probably seen them come through those doors and they probably reached out to you that, you know, they're, they're struggling to have their marriage work, uh, but they don't know who to model it after. Or they feel like because their parents had a bad marriage, they're somehow doomed to repeat that. Um, do, do you ever come across that or um, have you come across that?
1: Yeah, we all have a choice on whether we're going to continue with the dysfunction uh, from what's been brought, you know, brought, you know, what we were brought up in or to rebel against it and choose the alternative. I I know for me, when it comes to uh, parenting, for instance, uh, I, I always I go through three filters. One, in this parenting situation, what does the Bible tell me? Does the Bible give me any? any advice or any direction. I'm, one of my core values is that Scripture is my guide. Uh, scripture is not my hope. Scripture is my guide. Jesus is my hope. Scripture is my guide. And so I always asking, how can Scripture guide me in this decision? But my second one is, um, my second filter is, what did I see growing up? And I, I want to do the exact opposite. That is the second filter. And the third filter is Luke 631. And it's really just treat others like you'd want to be treated. And so for me, I look back to my childhood and say, if I were in this situation, and I probably was in this situation, what would I have wanted from my you know, wishful uh, stable mom and stable dad? How would, I, how would I have wished they would have reacted? And that's really helped me uh, have a lot more empathy for my kids and what they're going through, a lot more compassion, a lot more patience. I'm not a perfect parent at all, but um, for me, uh, the the fact that I have this tragic past has actually been—I've used it as rocket fuel for me to be a better parent, not a
0: worse parent. Yeah, and it's um, it's so good to hear you say that too. I mean, it's a lot of folks—they kind of fall into that trap of, you know, if you aren't aware of your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I think that's where some folks, you know, do tend to struggle. But I mean, yeah, when you proactively take a look back of where you come from. And ask yourself that, that question. Do I want to repeat that? And I don't think anybody in the right mind would say, Oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> but it takes that bravery, that courage to kind of step up, turn around, look back and say, Oh, that's what I've gone through. That's the impact it's had on me. This is the impact it would have on others as well. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for the future. And, and that is, that is a key, um, moment, I think, in anybody's lives. I, I'd, I'd gone through something similar, uh, and not exact. I mean, From birth to about age 10 or 11, things were good. You know, I had a tiger mom kind of raising us. Uh, My dad was, you know, married to my mom, but one day my mom left. And that's when things fell apart. You know, my dad got suicidal. Uh, You know, it seemed like all the other uncles were also getting divorced. So their kids were kind of becoming bullies. And and so it's just like the people you should turn to are now turned against you and very toxic all around. And uh, just kind of left with is this all there is? Is this what we have to look forward to? And, uh, but it, Took kind of looking up at 14 to say, wait, life is different for my friend over here. Life is different for my friend over here. Okay, so these are the things that don't match up. I want to be more like this. And so having that example to turn to, I mean, it was many years later for me before I received Christ. And, uh, and, and I know in your story, it was a little bit later as well. So uh, I think that's the, the hope I want folks to have is there is that turnaround point for you there, you know, maybe you're in your thirties, maybe you're in your forties and you, you're still kind of living in that trap. Uh, but there is that turnaround point. and And for us, it was at some point, Jesus, you know, just turning things around. And, and so in what ways would you say that, you know, Jesus had a hand in your life and restored you in a sense?
1: Well, I have a, a chapter in a book called Fingerprints, and it's really because I can see his activity in my life. Looking back now, I'm 44, looking back at my entire childhood uh, and I can see his activity. I didn't feel it in the moment. Of course, you're blinded by circumstance and blinded by tragedy. But now I look back and it's so obvious to me. Of course, I had some incredible gaps in my life when it came to fatherhood and had some gaps in my life and motherhood as well as my mom worked three jobs uh, as a single mom trying to make ends meet. But I look back now and there were some coaches and there were uh, supervisors and there were uh, neighbors and bosses and teachers and principals and you name it. These people that came alongside of me in each season came out of nowhere, I swear, just literally every day, just angels that taught me things. They taught me things like uh, discipline and taught me responsibility and taught me initiative and taught me just some kind of moral compass. I didn't know anything about Jesus and a relationship with Jesus, but I kind of had a moral compass that kept me from making some really big mistakes. And so, um, yeah, God was very active in my life. Um, I was, uh, far from God, didn't know anything about Jesus, and uh, I got a baseball scholarship to go to a Christian school. That's the cool story. And part. I, had no, I, I had no idea what Christian meant. I didn't know who Jesus was, but they said they were going to give me fifty thousand dollars to play baseball and to love Jesus. And I said, "Well, I'll love Jesus all day long for fifty thousand dollars." <laughs> <laughs> so I was all in. I didn't even know what it meant, but uh, signed on that dotted line and, and went to went to church. I went to uh, school there at this Christian college, and two weeks into college. Uh, we had chapel every day I was sitting in chapel and uh, this particular evangelist uh, exposed me to psalm 68 that says i am the father to the fatherless and of course that gripped my heart and um, I accepted Jesus that day into my heart and and really, I've always been a rule follower. I've always been somebody who goes all in 100 mile an hour. So as soon as I found out about this grace of Jesus and this love and uh, this structure that I, I starved for structure because my whole upbringing had zero structure at all. I, I had no idea if I was going to be living in a home each night when I came home from school or if I was going to be living underneath the bridge. Every night was different. And so I had structure, I had grace, I now had love, I had fatherhood, I was all in. And so since day one, I've ran after him 100 mile an hour, went straight into ministry. And uh, so God has played a big role in my life. And uh, from now, my ministry is just filled with gratitude that he pulled me out of that kind of a childhood.
0: Yeah. And I, I love that you acknowledge that, you know, when you look back, those fingerprints that God had had throughout your life before you even knew him, before you even made that choice that that was there and uh you know whether it was yeah and all of it through other people you know it's you know like you said coaches teachers uh friends uh I, you know I, if i remember correctly like your baseball coach even had um. Yet, like he was motivated not just to have you on the team as a baseball player helping us win games like it, it almost seemed like your coach could not care less whether or not you guys won games like it was your soul he was after it was like your salvation your growth uh, and while you're at it let's win some games <laughs> like you know, it was, <laughs> that was the impression I got of your coach when you talked to him you had some folks in college who were classmates who also poured into you and kind of took you along their side and um, you know it's just You you can't manufacture that, you know, it just, it just happens. And I mean, of course, when you know, it's like, okay, that's where God, you know, crossed our paths and the other person made a choice. I'm going to reach out to this guy. I don't know why it's not somebody I would normally hang out with, but I'm going to hang out with that guy and just be there and be a friend. And, you know, like you said in your book, be a Danny in a sense. And, um, like tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of the friends that have like really stood out and like just been a rock for you. You know, like when you look back and realize, oh yeah, that was, that was huge. Yeah.
1: You know, everything you were just talking about reminds me of, uh, you know, my story reminds me of Matthew nine. I believe it's Matthew nine where Jesus approaches Matthew, this tax collector and he approaches him. I don't know if you guys remember the story or not, but he you, he approaches him actually in the tax collector booth. Uh, so like he's in the middle of his sin. He's not like at a church. He He's right in the middle of his sin. And Jesus came to him in his sin. And just so to give everyone some context, a tax collector in the day, that was very sinful. It was thought of as like the worst kind of betrayal. And it was they were just thought of as these really shady people. And so Matthew's in the middle of all this and Jesus comes to him. In the middle of his mess, that's how I feel like Jesus did with me. He came to me. Right, baseball was my God. Baseball was my escape mechanism to stay away from home. And so, however, I could stay away from home to be integrated into any kind of sport. And he used sports. Sports was kind of like my tax collector. Both it was my it was my idol that I was serving. I was going 100 mile hour after baseball, and he met me through a baseball coach. And met me through a scholarship that had was tied to baseball. And so I just love that part. But in regarding your question about uh, friends, um, you know, I've had some really, really good friends. You know, you move that many times. You really don't get close to many people. But in a short amount of time, tragedy will actually intensify a short-term friendship because you're in the middle of the battle together. And so in each one of these really bad neighborhoods that I would live in, there would be one or two friends that we stuck together. This one particular one sticks out to me and his name was Danny. Uh, We were in a neighborhood where him and I were the only people that looked like us in our neighborhood. And so we were the target for a lot of bullying. And whenever I would get bullied and I would get beat up pretty bad, he was always the guy that was there that would walk with me, clean up my cuts, and carry my book bag, process with me, just be there to say, hey, man, it's going to be okay, even though it really wasn't going to be okay. It was just great to hear him say that. And he was just a good friend to me. Because I'm so grateful for that. Uh, what I want to do and the whole reason for the book is this whole idea of we all have pain, but we need to transform the sting of that pain into purpose for today. And so the way that I think through all those painful moments of getting bullying, the, the fruit that I could pull out of that, the nutrients that I can suck out of that story is the fact that I did have this Danny in my life in those seasons of tragedy. And so as an adult, I have a choice. Do I have a victim's mentality of, Oh man, I got bullied as a kid or man, I was blessed with some amazing friends. There's ones of the victims mentality. One's a victor's mentality, and it's a choice of what you decide to zone in on and what you what, what you choose to focus in on. And so for me as an adult, I, uh, I've made a commitment that I will be a Danny. Uh, I will be the person that's going to be there for you, not only in the stadium, but I'm going to be there for you in the courtroom. Uh, I Right now, one of my secret ministries that I do, which is not so secret now that I'm telling you, but uh, is to restore pastors who have fallen. Uh, it's a passion of mine. Uh, pastors uh, give their lives to to encourage and equip and empower and love on other people. And then when them, as humans, they make a mistake, it is so sad how the Christian world turns their back on them and bashes them publicly and treats them like, like they're not human. I, I want to be that one guy who's a Danny. I want to be that one that walks alongside of them privately and publicly Like, I'm going to walk alongside publicly and say, hey, I'm standing with this person. I'm not standing with the sin, but I'm going to stand with the sinner because I'm a sinner. And I want to show and extend the grace that I've been extended. And so my challenge to all of us listening in is that we'd all be a Danny, that we would all have that empathy, and we'd all remember of that great friendship that somebody gave us, or that great friendship that we wished somebody would have gave us, and we would really love well, like a real true biblical friend
0: It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash show. that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. And that is huge. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. I know some pastors who have... Had that fall, and of those that have fallen, I've only seen one really get back up and be restored. Uh, but to do that, the person had to leave his current church, go to another church where nobody knew who he was, and and that was when he was able to finally start again. And I thought, wow, that that's horrible. That uh, and, and he also had to like replace almost his entire fam- like friend circle. And, and I thought that that just broke my heart. All all but like a small handful of friends. Uh but yeah, they judged him, um, turned their backs on him, said he was a fake, a phony, and just that's it. Walls up. We're never letting this guy back in. And and even his senior pastor had said, Yeah, we're gonna restore this guy but um you, you didn't see much of that. He had to go seek another senior pastor to to build him back up and hold him accountable and, and uh you know, so it 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 is sad to see that, but the majority of them, you just see them fade away, and they never come back into ministry and and lead others. And you know, we we forget they're human. You know, we're all human. We're all, you know, susceptible to the same issues that are out there. And and uh, you know, if we truly want to live like Christ, I think you know, understanding that grace is a, the probably the biggest part of uh, his ministry. Um, it's just, yeah, that that struck a. A nice chord with me. (laughs) Hopefully for those of you listening.
1: there's a, I mean, there's a um, reality that, you know, if they've done some things or show some unhealthy lifestyle things that they need to be off the platform and away from pastoring for a while and probably need to be pastored uh, until, until they're at a point where they're healthy enough to pastor the the Bible's very clear about that pastors and teachers uh, need to be above approach and, and live at a higher level. And so I understand the whole idea of taking them off the platform and taking them away from influence for a season. But to completely turn your back or like fire them or take them away from a church, uh, I would think that that would need to be because of maybe months and months and months of of prideful like not not entertaining the restoration process or really bucking bucking the restoration process or just have a spirit about them that's not restorable in that season. Maybe, but when they're really sorry and it was a one time mistake and it's like, man, we've just got to be we. The thing is, is that we as humans, um, we typically judge others based on reality while we judge ourselves based on our intentions. There, there's two different bars there yes. because we, uh, <laughs> we, ju- we judge people like, oh, I'm this great Christian. I, do my, 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 uh, I go to the gym every day and I uh, do my devotions every morning. And I'm like, whoa, 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 that might be your intentions. If you were to look at the last 14 days, how many times did you actually go to the gym? How many times did you actually sit down and do your devotions or is that just your intention? So we just have to be really careful that we're not judging other people on reality and only judging ourselves on our intentions. If you're going to judge on reality, judge on reality for you
0: too. Yeah. Or like, you know, I read through my Bible today. Check, check, check. It's, did you live out what you read? Exactly. What? No, that wasn't on the checklist. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that ought to be, you know. Yeah, this is-
1: this is uh, convicting just talking about
0: it. Yeah, yeah. It's oh man, and, and that's uh, huge for us to to realize that. I mean, we we follow a God who's about second chances, about restoration, reconnecting back to Him, and you know, loving us so much that He sent His Son to to die and be that ransom for us. Um, you know to me, that doesn't sound like you, if you're a follower of this God and this Jesus, then uh, the calling for you is to turn your back on people, to judge them, to say, ah, you're a stripper. So I don't know why stripper that that, that's coming up today a lot. Uh, (laughs) If you listen to the show, you're like, there was like a theme here where he mentioned stripper for like two or three episodes, but that's not the point. The point is like, I've I've seen folks that will be more than happy to go out with somebody who does stripping as a profession, but then turn around and judge that person uh, and call them all kinds of derogatory names. It's like, wow, you're okay when you're getting a benefit, but then you're going to turn around and judge them when it comes to you know being uh, publicly facing. And it's like, what if you just respected that person in the first place? You know, regardless of the profession. And I'm not condoning going and you know receiving their services that's not the point either it's just it's about treating people with dignity you know respecting their dignity i think because we're all created with dignity um and you know it's especially for those of us who've hit rock bottom or you know we've not had the the advantages others have had you know but have compassion for each other um i'm trying to remember who had said this cool quote about um you know have compassion for those who are like older than you Um, you know respect those who are you know in a weakened state you know who are aging um, who are too young because sometime in your life you're going to be all these things and uh, you know ties back into that golden rule like treat others the way you'd want to be treated uh, because at some point you're going to be in another person's shoes in some way shape or form Um, and I think when we think in terms of like the love of Christ the way he lifts people up, the way he serves others. When we think about at some point in our lives, we're going to hit our low point. Uh, and Jesus is about restoration. It's it to me, it's very hopeful that one, I could be restored. And two, my misery can become my ministry. And I mean, with this show, a lot of that has come out. It's like, why do I do this show? Why do I have it focused on men in the thirties and forties who are married with children who want to have a meaningful life? Um, because that's been on my heart since I was 14 years old. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm firm believer in that. And, you know, for those of you listening, I mean, your misery you've gone through could in fact be your ministry. Um, especially if you align it with Jesus, you know, that's my opinion and, if you're a believer in Christ, it's probably your opinion too. And, uh, you know, it's, um, so, I mean, we've talked about, you know, just because you had a rough start doesn't mean that's what you're destined to. We've talked about, you know, you can be restored. And, and part of the reason why is it could be how you help others become restored as well. So, I mean, we've got this book, um, you talk about transforming that sting and the pain of your life into something that, you know, helps others. Um, uh, who, who is this book ideal for?
1: Well, anybody with a story. So my passion for the book is, comes from a word called stewardship. Um, those of you, when you hear that word, you may think of two things. You may think of a capital campaign at your church, and that's not what I mean. And you may think about money, uh, and that's not what I mean as well. I, Matthew 25, 14 through 30 talks about the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold, and it talks about a master who takes their wealth and gives it to three servants. Well, that is a parallel to what God's done with us. God is the owner. He owns everything, and He allows us to manage or to steward for Him. Now, it's not just about money. He allows us to steward our, uh, uh, his, not ours, uh, bad pronoun there, his relationships, uh, his kids, for those of you that have kids, his spouse, those of you that are married uh, his time, uh, his energy, all those things through us. He allows us to manage. Really, it's all his. The Bible says in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, meaning he is the owner. So we're not. So what are we? We are the managers. And uh, we, we see that how he's given us dominion in Genesis. First um, Corinthians 4, 2 says those who have been called to manage must prove faithful. So what does faithful look like? Well, one of the things that he wants us to manage is not just time, energy, relationships, money. Also, this may not be on your radar, your story. You're to manage that story, your experiences for him. So some of you are listening in and you're 20. Some are listening in, you're 30. Some are 55. Some are 60. Regardless, you've got life experiences. You have a story. What are you going to do with it? It's not yours. It's his And you are called to manage that for him. Well, the thing is you can't go back in time. So you can't go back and change things. So you got to focus on what you can control. What can you can control? You can control right now how much you transform the sting of your past into purpose for today. Whatever it is you've gone through, you have a unique opportunity and a unique empathy that you can extend to somebody going through the same thing. You also have a unique opportunity to be grateful for God pulling you out of that. Something that maybe you've gone through something I haven't gone through. And so you've got a unique opportunity to be grateful for that and to minister out of that. And I don't have, Mm -hmm. but you have that opportunity. And when we don't maximize that, it's a tragedy because God allowed you to go through that trial for many different reasons. And I don't want to be arrogant enough to tell you exactly what God's thinking because he is an infinite God and I have a finite mind. But I do know it was for a reason. It wasn't just to put, take you through a trial, just to be a mean God. And so what is it about that pain that you can transform into purpose for today, regardless of where you come from? I will say this too, just because of your, your, um, your, uh, demographic, that listens to this show, Jerry is, uh, uh I, I just went through uh, what's called midlife crisis uh, a few years ago. And, um, I sat on my front porch for this is like 2017 to 2019. So almost three years, really. And um, just sat there and reflected and kind of took a really long sabbatical. I would put myself in a good financial position so I didn't have to run to work. Uh, I really could just sit there and kind of self-reflect. And what I realized was the more that I was internally worried about self-care and self-reflection and all these things that all these psychology books tell you. I actually got more discouraged and I got more depressed because the Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, those who refresh others themselves are refreshed. And so maybe you're listening in today and you're midlife and uh, you wish at this point you would have accomplished more than you've accomplished. What have I done with my life? Well, what if the question isn't actually what you've done with your life? And the question really should be, who are you becoming? less on the what, this whole world teaches us from the first grade. What do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. Where are you going to school? For what profession? It's all about the what, all about the what, all about the what. But if I were to give everybody on the show right now, I were to just go into your living room, go into your car, right there on the treadmill, and I were to give you a matchbook with 20 matches in it. And I were to ask you, the average life expectancy today is 80 years. Mm So if I were to take you, tell you to take out a match out of the matchbook, one match for every four years that you've lived, and you were to have eight matches left or 12 matches left, instead of asking yourself, what have I done? And what am I going to do with the rest of my matches? What if the question shifted a little bit? What if the question was really, who have I, be- who have I become? Who am I becoming? And who will I become? And more emphasis on who I'm going to become. And that will take care of the what. If you become what you're supposed to become, God will bless it. What if it was less about what am I going to do with my remaining matches and more about how bright will these matches shine? How on fire will I be with my remaining years? So Jared, to answer your question, that's how I process all this. Uh, that's how I, um, I, I want to navigate these next few years of my life. I've, I've, I'm at the halfway point. Uh, statistically I'm at 44. Um, I, I live a pretty low risk life. So let's just say that my life could go to 88. Um, I, for me, I want to shift from a life. That's all about achievement and accolades and shift it from here. That's 40 to 44. I'm in the middle of the shift. And all I care about now is significance. I'm going from achievement to significance. And so whatever I do, when I wake up in the morning, to the time I go to bed, I got to ask myself, who am I becoming? How bright are my matches shining? And did I make a significant impact?
0: That is huge. Um, And I think a a key thing to add to that is like when you're thinking about who am I becoming, you know, what you're saying isn't about what is my profession going to be? Like, you know, a lot of us tend to grow up thinking, you know, you touched on it earlier that, um, you know, who are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be a police officer. I'm going to be a soldier. And it's like, I don't think that's what you're saying either. It's, uh, you know. So can you can you unpack that a little bit more? Like when you're saying, who am I becoming? What kind of things are you describing to, to describe who you're becoming and even who you are right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you look at the burning bush moment. OK, and you've got this burning bush moment. Moses is uh, shepherding uh, not even his own flock. He's so, so obscure and so humble. He's shepherding someone else's flock for yeah. 40 years in Midian. And out of nowhere, he has this burning bush moment of like, I'm calling you, I'm choosing you to go to Pharaoh, right? burning bush moment. Man, God, would you please give me that burning bush moment? I used to work for a pastor that says, hey, I remember when I was 16 years old on page 23 of Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cymbala, I was reading this book and I read this one line that said, I despair at the thought that my life may pass me by without God moving greatly on my behalf. And I knew at that moment, God told me I'm going to start a church in North Carolina. We all don't have that moment. The bottom line is very few of us are going to have that moment. The bottom line is there's only one Bernie Bush story in the Bible. There's only one Damascus Road story in the Bible. Most of the stories in the Bible slowly unfolded, slowly unfolded with one good, correct decision after another. One more, one more, one more, one more. And Jerry, to go back to your original question, uh, how do I unpack this idea? here's the deal. We are more concerned with God's concealed will than we are obeying his revealed will. And the bottom line is is our vision and our destiny has actually become our God. We are so going after this destiny, so going after this vision. And even those of you that are in a ministry and your ministry is actually tied to God, it gets confusing. But a lot of the ministry guys that I know if I were to just grab them by the shoulders and shake them, man, if I look at the fruit of their life, I think about the, what they talk about and the way they talk about it, their vision has become their God. Their destination has become their God, not actually God. It's very similar with all the things that we own. Some of you guys listening in right now, you, you, you own a car and you own a house and you've got some uh, maybe a four-wheeler and a jet ski and you've got some tangible things and you're saying, and you will think that you're being super spiritual by thanking God for them. And you are. It's cool. It's better than not thanking him. But how many times, if we were to be honest, are we more thankful for the blessings than the blessor? We are actually, sometimes we're worshiping the provision rather than worshiping the provider. We love the blessings so much that we actually end up worshiping the blessings and not worshiping the blessor. No, don't get offended.
0: No, I'm not yelling
1: at you. I'm not yelling at you. I don't know who's who. You're in your car right now. Man, this guy's being really mean. I don't know it's you. I just know the human condition and I, I and i'm also a middle-aged man so i get it and i've wrestled with this and so don't get offended but it's uh, if we're honest uh we are, our vision has become our god rather than just everyday
0: faithfulness you ever have those like powerful moments in a conversation and the best thing is just leave that silence in there <laughs> Let it soak in to those who are listening. And uh, so I'm hoping when uh, I go to edit this that I leave that space in there that I just did, Um, because that was powerful. That on top of the things we've just been talking about, about being restored and, you know, why do we get restored? And uh, I mean, it's clear to me now it's it's really ultimately about, you know, who are you becoming? And then from there, I mean, the, the things that you do for others is really an outpouring of who you are who you're becoming. So, um, yeah, I, I love that of just seeking God, seeking that will. that isn't yet revealed to you. Um, and yeah, don't become that stick in the mud that says, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm going after. Uh, cause I will be like, eh, that's a cute plan. I need you to go that way now. <laughs> it's You know, and are you going to be receptive to that? Or are you going to be like, no, this is what I do. Um, man, uh, oh man. Okay. We're, we're about out of time. But uh, so for all of you listening in, you got to get a copy of Chris Brown's book, Restored. Uh, I, I know it's going to be on uh, Amazon. Uh, Baker House Publishers, if you want to get a good deal and have it shipped for free, that I think is the way to go. Um, I, I saw that on your website. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that site. Uh, Jeff Brown had published his book through there. Jeff Brown? Yeah. Are you guys related? No, no, oh. there's
1: quite a few of us.
0: Okay, there's more than one brown out there. Okay, <laughs> I yeah. one...
1: by, by the way, I'm not the rapper. I promise, I'm uh, not the rapper. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I had to go through a few pages of no I'm <laughs> Googled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Nicole, give me your webpage I went straight there. Um, but uh, any, I mean, I mean, you get you gave us like a really good uh, knowledge drop. Um, definitely go get a copy of his book, Restored. Uh, it's out there now, right? It's it's available now.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, bit. it launched on March 25th. Okay, and so we're a couple months, we're a few months
0: in. Yeah, yeah. Nicole reached out to me, I think, just before it published. So I was like, I got, I know I got an advanced copy. So I'm like, Hey, cool. Um, <laughs> how else can people reach out to you if they want you to be a speaker at their uh, their event, or they want, you know, any of the services you provide? You know, what else can folks do to reach out to you, and um, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So my uh, handle is pretty easy on all, all social media handles. It's Chris Brown on air and my website is Chris Brown And, um, yeah, so i currently, uh, pastor a church in Columbia, Tennessee. So Sundays are usually taken up, but uh, midweek speaking opportunities, um, would, would be great, but I'd love to add value to your organization.
0: Nice. Chris, uh, I already knew that this was going to be a great conversation, especially for me. Uh, Hopefully for all of you listening in, it was a great conversation for you. Um, Yeah, it was great having you on here.
1: Yeah, definitely an honor. Thank you.
0: Now, if you like everything you heard in this episode be sure to hit the share button and send this to somebody you know will find inspiration from it. We'll share it with other people as well, because I want Chris's story to really lift each other up, to lift us up, because no matter what pain we've gone through in our lives, we can live a better life, not a bitter life. Now, you can also find the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 320. And there you'll find links to Chris's link. I mean, link to Chris's link, uh, link to Chris's website, his book restored and some other episodes similar to this kind of story, but also different. Now I'm glad you joined me this week and I look forward to joining you again next week, but until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about cap show is that they have one of the best communities ever as a cap show and myself.